1: Joseph, Jesus, and Mary, help my friend, Mr. Bailey.
2: Help my son, George, tonight.
1: He never thinks about himself, God. That's why he's in trouble.
2: George is a good guy. Give him a break, God. I love him, dear Lord. Watch over him tonight. Please, God, something's the
1: matter with Daddy. Please bring Daddy back. Please love him, dear Lord. Watch over him hello joseph trouble looks like we'll have to send someone down a lot of people asking for help for a man named george bailey george bailey yes tonight's his crucial night you're right we'll have to send someone down immediately whose turn is it that's why i came to see you sir it's a clockmaker's turn again oh clarence hasn't got his wings yet has he We've passed him up right along. Because you know, sir, he's got the IQ of a rabbit. Yes, but he's got the faith of a child. Simple. Joseph, send for Clarence. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on Earth needs our help. Splendid. Is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. Earth time, that man will be thinking seriously of throwing away God's greatest gift.
2: Oh, dear, dear, his life. Then I've only an hour to dress. What are they wearing now?
1: You will spend that hour getting acquainted with George Bailey.
2: Sir, if I should accomplish this mission, I mean, uh, might I perhaps win my wings? I've been waiting for over 200 years now. sir, and people are beginning to talk. What's that book you've got there? Oh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Clarence,
1: you do a good job with George Bailey, and you'll get your wings.
2: Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Poor George. Sit down. Sit down? What do we... If you're
1: going to help a man, you want to know something about him, don't you? Well, naturally, of course. Well, I keep your eyes open.
0: Well, good morning. Welcome to the Movement Church. And if it is your first time here, you have walked into one of our favorite Sundays of the year, Christmas at the movies. And so this is week two where we take favorite Classic Christmas movies and we pull from those movies some biblical truth that you and I can apply to our lives So you came on the right day. We're gonna have some fun But before we start I just need to know how many of you by a show of hands and I'm gonna to have to do this to see you How many of you have seen the movie? It's a wonderful life Okay, there's a few of you in here put your hands down. How many of you have never seen the movie? It's a wonderful life Oh my goodness Your homework assignment is to go home and rent this movie. I don't even know how to tell you to do that. I bought it on iTunes. This is a classic. This is culture, you guys. And I'm just going to say this might even waver with whether or not you are truly a Christian. I'm just telling you, you need to see the movie It's a Wonderful Life. This morning in our in our huddle as we're getting ready, like 90% of the people standing there had never seen this movie. So they are going home this week to watch It's a Wonderful Life because it truly is a Christmas classic. And um, it is in black and white. And I do realize that's foreign to the majority of us. And believe it or not, it's foreign to me as well. This morning, some of our uh, younger people were questioning, That, But, but I hope, (laughs) I hope that you will go home and watch this movie because it's such a great movie. And it started out here in this clip where many, many people were praying for a man named George Bailey. And I just want you to know if you're visiting with us today for the first time at the movement church, we may not know your name yet, but I want you to know that there have been people praying for you. And I want you to know if you call the Movement Church home, there are people that have been praying specifically for you. In fact, there was a dream team that showed up this morning at 545 to set the stage for church this morning and are praying and believing for you. So just as we saw in that movie, that there was an army of men and women and children praying for this man, George Bailey, just know that it's not by accident that you're here this Sunday morning. Somebody has been praying for you, even if we didn't know your name. You know, I love how this movie opens up and, um, it, it doesn't make much sense to me at all. We watch this with my kid. There's, you know, the little balls in the sky that are supposed to apparently be angels and blinking on and off. But it opens up with these prayers for George Bailey. And the angels are talking about sending Clarence, the guardian angel, to go and help this man out. And so Clarence begins to try to discover what might be wrong with George Bailey. And he says, oh, is he sick? And the other angel replies, no, even worse than sickness. He's discouraged. And I thought, isn't that powerful? You know, here we are at Christmas time, the half happiest season of all, right? And I don't know about you, but every song we sing, the lights that are strung, the Christmas trees that are up, the Santa Claus in the mall and the Santa Claus in our church lobby this, this afternoon, that's going to be fun. I don't know about you, but I love Christmas time. And all the songs of Christmas time remind us that it's supposed to be the half happiest season of all. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Thank you. You can't leave me doing this alone. I'm not allowed to be on the worship team, so I need some help. Okay? Have a holly jolly. And in case you didn't hear, I'm just kidding. You don't have to sing the whole time. But listen, all the songs of the season remind us that this is supposed to be a holly jolly, hap happiest time. But how many of you without show of hands would admit that there's times in the Christmas season where it's easy to become discouraged. There's so many different things that contribute to this, but in the midst of the happiest season of all, I think oftentimes it's easy on the inside to walk away feeling a little bit like George Bailey, a little bit discouraged. And I looked up the synonyms for discouragement and it says this, hopelessness, depression, a loss of confidence. Low spirits, disappointment. Man, maybe those words ring true with you this holiday season. But the antonym to discouragement is something like this. Hopefulness, cheer, confidence, encouragement, and joy. And today I want to talk to you just a little bit about how we find joy. Joy is the opposite of discouragement. In fact, joy is one of the main songs we sing about at Christmas time. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, right? We sing the song, maybe you don't sing that song. I sing that song. And we sing the song, but sometimes feeling joy is different than singing about joy, right? And so here we find George Bailey in a situation where he is discouraged. He has a lack of joy. Proverbs seventeen twenty two tells us this. A cheerful heart is a good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. I don't know how you walked in this morning. Maybe you walked in full of joy. So hang in there. There's still something in this message for you. But maybe you walked in here and you feel a little bit sapped of your strength. And you feel a little bit discouraged. Let's look for just a minute in this story at why George Bailey was facing such discouragement.
3: Now watch, there's right in the second floor there, see?
2: What'd you wish, George?
3: Well, not just one wish, a whole hat Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow, and the next day, and next year, and a year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet, and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers 100 stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. What, you going to throw a rock? Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? Buffalo, girls, can't you come out tonight? tonight. Can't, can't you come, come out tonight? George, come on home, quick. Your father's had a stroke. Mary, Mary, I'm sorry, I've got to go. go. Come on, George, let's hurry. You got a doctor? Yeah. The candle's there now. Hang around, George. Yeah, I'll be right down. Huh? Yeah, hey, you'll miss your train. You're a week late for school already. Go on. What's going on in there? Oh, never mind. Don't worry about that. They're putting us out of business. So what? I can get another job. I'm only 55. 56. Go on, go on. Hey, look, you gave up your boat trip. Now you don't want to miss college, too, do you? George, George, they voted Potter down. But they want to keep it going. on. They got one condition. Only one condition. What's that? And that's the best part of it. They've appointed George here as executive secretary to take his father's place. Oh, no, but Uncle Billy is... You can keep him on. That's all right. As secretary, you can hire anyone you like. Dr. Cameron, let's get this thing straight. I'm leaving. I'm leaving right now. I'm going to school. This is my last chance. Uncle Billy here. He's your man. But, George, they'll vote with Potter otherwise. I know, I know. He didn't
1: go. That's right. Not only that, but he gave his cool money to his brother Harry and sent him to college. Harry became a football star, made second team All-American. Yeah, but what happened to George? George got four years older waiting for Harry to come back and take over the building and loan.
0: So for all of you in here who have not seen the fullness of this movie, we watch George Bailey growing up in this town and Bedford Falls, and he grows up as this young man and he um, has such a huge influence in his community. And in this scene, we see George Bailey as the grown adult, the dreamer, right? The idealist. Can any of you in this room relate to that? I know I can. I, I tend to be an idealist. I tend to dream big dreams and make big plans. And maybe some of you in here are more of a realist, but you still got a little bit of a dreamer inside of you. And that's where we find George Bailey. He's a dreamer. He's a planner. He's ready to leave the town of Bedford Falls and go exploring, right? He wants to travel all over the world. Then he's going to go to school. And then he's going to build things, he says. He's going to go and he has these grand plans for his life, right? And then circumstances change things. In a moment in a moment he gets the news that his father has had a stroke his father runs the bailey building and loans and there is an evil villain in this story i have to bring all of you along because you don't know this movie there is an evil villain in the story his name is mr potter and mr potter wants to run the entire town and so he is there at the bailey building and loans and he wants to take over the bailey building and loans and really just demolish it he doesn't like all the good things that george's family did for the community And so George has already thrown away his trip around the world. He was about to go travel the world when his dad got sick and passed away. So he's already thrown that away. Well, now he's about to leave Bedford Falls and go to college. And all of a sudden they say, the only way that Potter is not going to take over is if you stay here and run the Bailey building and loans. So in a moment, circumstances change things. The responsibility of life changed things for George. In a moment, he had to set all of those dreams on hold. I don't know if you can relate to this. You know, the things maybe that you've been planning for, maybe the things you've been praying for just have gone on a holding pattern. I don't know if you can relate to this. I know I can relate to this. Maybe for some of you in this room, you're single and and the spouse you've been praying for just has not come along yet. Or maybe you're in the room and you've just been praying and and maybe trying to have a baby and it just hasn't happened yet. And you can relate to the feeling of the reality of our circumstances actually bringing great disappointment and discouragement. Maybe you're just ready for change and you're stuck in the same holding pattern you've been in for years. Maybe you found yourself disappointed again. Maybe by a loved one, by a spouse by a friend. Maybe like Pastor Kerry talked about last weekend, the holidays, Christmas time. Maybe it's a reminder of what's been lost. Maybe it's a reminder of that that loved one that won't be here this season. And you find yourself in this place of discouragement, in this holding pattern, with a lack of joy. See, George Bailey found himself there. And he goes on and he stays to run the Bailey Building and Loans. And then what happens is everyone's life around him begins to change. Have any of you ever been there where it seems like everyone else's life around you begins to have all of these great things happening to them? Where story after story after story from your friends and your family are of all of the wonderful things that are happening in their life. And you're like, what about me? So George Bailey holds down the fort and he waits for his brother to finish school. His brother becomes a full-time football star and he's coming home. And George is like, finally, it's going to be my turn. And Harry shows up and steps off the train with a wife and a father-in-law who's offered him a full-time job to leave Bedford Falls. So George is stuck again. And he finds himself looking at his brother, Harry, and going, gosh, Why did you get to get married and go off and have this wonderful life? In fact, his brother, Harry eventually wins the congressional medal of honor. And can you imagine being George watching his brother do all of these great things? And then there's this friend in the story, and his nam- name is Sam Wainwright. He's crazy. And Sam Wainwright, he gets to go off to college right away, and he makes a ton of money. Like, at that time, I don't know what it was, but equivalent to, like, billions of dollars now, right? And so Sam Wainwright, he phones home, and he shows up in these expensive cars with these gorgeous women on his arms. And he just kind of, he doesn't mean to, I don't think, but he just taunts George a little bit with that. And so George finds himself comparing his life to all of the other wonderful lives around him. Have any of you ever been there where you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and you see that picture or you read that story and you go, dang it, that's not fair. Why don't those great things ever happen to me? Have any of you ever found yourself comparing your life to another wonderful life around you? Well, this would be my challenge to you today. Stop looking at their wonderful life. And recognize the wonderful life of your own. You see, comparison is the root of all inferiority. And when we compare ourselves to someone else, we're always gonna feel less than. In fact, I think uh, Theodore Roosevelt, one of our presidents, said it best. He said, Comparison is the thief of joy, it's the thief of joy. And George Bailey, he found himself with joy being completely robbed from his life because he couldn't stop comparing himself to all of the stories around him. Maybe that's you today. Maybe all of the hustle and bustle of Christmas and the money that's being spent everywhere, you just feel like you can't keep up. I mean, we live in such an incredible place in the world, but I'll tell you what, it's kind of like keeping up with the Joneses if you don't get your eyes on the right thing, right? And maybe you walked in and you feel the pressure of Christmas, because you've been comparing, but comparison is the thief of joy. So today it's time to stop looking at their wonderful life and recognize the wonderful life that you've been given. You know, this story comes to a climax when when George, uh, he's got this big sum of money that comes into the Bailey building and loans. And his uncle goes, Uncle Billy, goes to deposit it. And somehow the money ends up in the evil villain, Mr. Potter's hands. And Potter holds on to this money because he knows it's going to be a problem for them. And Uncle Billy's looking everywhere. He's kind of a crazy old man. He's looking everywhere for this money. And they are $8,000 short. At that time, that was a lot of money. They are $8,000 dollars short and the bank examiner shows up on that day. And so now George is recognizing that they might shut down this business that he's given his entire life for, and he might find himself in jail away from his family. And he finally reaches the end of his rope. He is at the climax of the story where discouragement is setting in big time. There is no more joy because the overwhelming circumstances have knocked him out. And maybe... You walked in the room this morning facing some overwhelming circumstances. Maybe it's a financial crisis. Maybe nobody knows, but you know what's going on behind the scenes and you feel the stress and the pressure of it all. Maybe it's a health diagnosis. And fear is trying to swarm your mind to where you don't know what you're going to do next. Maybe it's the end of a relationship. A relationship that you had high hopes for. Maybe it's a broken heart. I don't know what you walked in facing today or what the, the complexity of your situation might be. But I do know that there was a man in the Bible who faced great disappointment. He faced hopes deferred, put on hold. He faced the temptation of comparison and he faced overwhelming circumstances. In fact, he was stoned, imprisoned, not stoned like you think stoned, different like throw rock stones. <laughs> I know what you were thinking. No, not that kind. Imprisoned, beaten, shipwrecked. He was bitten by a poisonous snake, but he didn't die. He was betrayed by friends. He was never married. He faced complete desolation and his name was Paul. And Paul wrote much of the New Testament. And in Romans 8, verse 35 through 37, it says this, "'Who shall separate us from the love of Christ?' Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, Paul faced overwhelming circumstances. He faced overwhelming circumstances. He did not know sometimes how to carry on. But he said, I know this. Nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. Because in all these things, we are more than conquerors. But it's not always that easy to feel like a conqueror, is it? It's one thing to know it in our head, but to feel it in our heart, it's not always easy to feel like that. Discouragement comes for the best of us. Let's pick up in this next clip where we find George at the complete end of his rope.
2: Oh no no no, George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you a
3: mind reader or something?
2: Well, <laughs> who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, A S
3: two. Oddbody, A S two. What's that? A S
2: two. Angel, second class. <laughs>
3: you what what, would you say just a minute ago why'd you want to save me that's
2: what i was sent down for i'm your guardian angel i wouldn't be a bit surprised ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money eight thousand dollars
3: yeah now think just things like that how do you know that
2: i told you i'm your guardian angel i know everything about you Well, you look about like the kind of an angel i'd get sort of a fallen (laughs) angel aren't you what happened to your wings? I haven't worn my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. So you still think killing yourself would make everyone feel happier, eh? Well, I don't know. I guess you're right.
3: I suppose it would been better if I'd never been born at all. What did you say? I said I wish I'd never been
2: born. Oh, you mustn't say things like that. You... Wait a minute. Wait a minute, that's an idea. What do you think? Yeah, I'll do it. All right. You've got your wish. You've never been bored. Oh, no, no, no.
0: (laughs) You gotta love Clarence, the guardian angel. Can I just say that sometimes our prayers can be answered in the most unlikely circumstances. You know, George said, oh, sure, you're the kind of angel I suppose I would get, right? And maybe, just maybe, you're here today and and somebody drug you to church, you haven't been to church in a long time, and you thought, really, what good is this gonna do for me? But can I just say that sometimes, in the most unlikely environments, in the most unexpected ways, God answers our prayers, you know the problem we find with discouragement is this lack of joy really makes us consumed with ourselves. This scene where we see George at the end of his rope. He's just he's he's not just discouraged, he's angry and discouraged, right? And he's at the end of his rope and he's sitting there and he's just contemplating all of the crazy things that have happened in his life and finally he realizes maybe it just would have been better if I had never been born. He was so focused on everything that was happening to him, he couldn't see anything outside of that. And that's what discouragement does to us and a lack of joy does to us. It gets us so focused on ourselves, we can't see anything else. You know, Romans 8, 7 through 8 in the message version says this. It says, focusing on self is the opposite of focusing on God. Can I read that part again? Focusing on self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking more about self than God. The person who ignores God, wait, thinking more about self than God, that person ignores who God is and what he is doing. Hmm. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing. See, when the lack of joy sets in, we start to think so much about ourselves that we can't see what God might be doing on the outside of us. George got here. He got to this place where he was so consumed with himself, he missed the impact that his life had made. And I think this is just what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get our eyes so focused on us that we don't see anything else around us. You know, the greatest commandment that Jesus left us with before he ascended into heaven, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. And the second is this. Hey, love your neighbor as yourself. If those are the greatest commandments that God left us with, don't we think that's a little bit important? To love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. But those of us who are so focused on ourselves, we can't see beyond ourselves to love our, love our neighbor. And I think that's a strategic plan of the enemy to say, forget everyone else. That's what selfishness says, forget everyone else. I wanna wallow in my pain. I wanna wallow in my disappointment. I wanna take a minute to have a pity party. Just be honest, how many of you just, sometimes you just wanna take a minute to have a pity party? Yeah, you're lying if you're not raising your hand. All of us get there, right? We all get to this place where we wanna take a moment and we want to have a pity party. And really, let's just be honest, you guys, that's selfishness, right? Selfishness says, I just want to focus on me and wallow in my pain and disappointment and frustration. When really God's got something bigger that he's doing on the outside. And what George didn't realize is all the circumstances of his life, all the struggles of his life had actually become his story. His life had had such an impact on all the people around him that he was missing that component. He had no idea that his life had had such a great impact impact because he was so focused on himself at this moment so what continues to happen in this story it's the greatest gift that George could ever be given is he goes back into Bedford Falls with his guardian angel Clarence on his side and they go back into Bedford Falls and everything has changed in fact it's not even called Bedford Falls anymore it's called Pottersville because George was not around to stand up to Potter and he goes back and he begins to run into all of his friends and his family, and they don't know him because, remember, he's been given the gift of never being born. And so he goes back and he begins to find the disarray that the city is in. He goes and he tries to find his mother, who's an old maid, because his father had passed away, and what he didn't realize is his little brother, Harry, had never grown up and gone to college and played football. He'd never gotten married and gone to have a job, and he'd never won the Congressional Medal of Honor because Harry had died when he was just a little boy and he fell in a pond because his brother George wasn't there to save him. He ran into Mr. Gowers who had been his employer and Mr. Gowers was an old drunk who had spent many years in prison because he had given the wrong medication to a little boy and poisoned him because George wasn't there to stop him. His friend, Mr. Martini didn't own the restaurant because George hadn't been there to help him with the building and loans fund. His friend Nick was a grumpy old man running this bar because he didn't have the kind of relationship that George had brought the kind with kindness and generosity. Every person in George's life, their life was remarkably different when he wasn't there. And George had no idea till he was given this gift of seeing beyond himself. And so all of a sudden, George Bailey is beginning to realize there's so much more to what was happening in my life than just what I'm seeing right now. Where are you at today? You see, just as much as George Bailey's life was full of purpose, your life is full of purpose, too. Your life is full of purpose. Let me ask you some questions. Have you been so focused on what you don't have? Maybe it's the dreams in your heart that haven't been accomplished. Maybe it's the responsibility that you resent. Maybe that responsibility of even marriage or your job. Some of you as a parent, it's just making you feel so discouraged. Have you been comparing your life? Maybe you're in this room and you've been comparing your life to someone else and you think, "Ah, oh, I could have a wonderful life too if only fill in the blank. Maybe you're walking around facing what feels like overwhelming circumstances. Maybe no one in this room even knows what you're up against. And maybe, maybe you're here and you're just discouraged. Maybe you're just not feeling so holly jolly this Christmas. You're just feeling a little bit of discouragement. And maybe, just maybe, you're here, and you're not necessarily discouraged, but maybe you're just a little too focused on yourself. Just saying. Maybe you're missing the people and the opportunities in your world that are all around you. Just like George's life had such an impact on all of his friends and family in ways that he never even knew or understood. Maybe you've just gotten so focused on yourself that you've missed the moments. You know, this week I went to the dentist, and um, and I don't like the dentist. <laughs> I liked the dentist when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I used to go in and they give you like suckers, when you, the sugar-free kind when you're done. And, and they let you play games. We, they had this little bubble machine. And believe it or not, like that kept me interested when I was a child. And, um, and my doctor was so nice that I loved the dentist. And so I thought that it would be the same as I got older. But I found as I get older, I have a problem every time I go to the dentist. And that problem is expensive and it hurts. And it takes a lot to take care of. So I don't like the dentist. So I wasn't really happy about being at the dentist. This last week. And, um, and anytime you go to a doctor's office, you know you have to wait for like ever, right? It doesn't matter if you have an appointment that that's, I don't even know what that's about. It doesn't matter. You're going to wait for hours. Right. And so I'm sitting in this dentist chair and I'm having like 5 million x-rays done in my mouth which which makes you want to throw up if you have a gag reflex at all. Right. And, and so I'm kind of getting frustrated and annoyed and I, and I'm trying to be nice because it's a brand new dentist office. And, um, that I, maybe you're here today that I don't know that I'm serious. That's what I'm about to tell you. So if you're here there's a point to this, uh, the hygienist walks in and she sits down and she looks at my chart. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of just ready to get this over with. Right. And she goes, Oh, you're a pastor where? Cause you write down what you do. And, um, I said, Oh, the movement church. And I just realized in this moment, okay, this could be an opportunity. And her eyes welled up with tears. And if you're here, I'm so glad you're here today. I, I don't know if you are, but she's just walking through some stuff and, um, had been praying and asking God for some solutions and answers. And then I sat down in the dentist chair to get my mouth worked on and spend lots of money. And, um, and so I invited her to church and, um, I don't know if she'll come or if if you're here today or not, but, but I just realized in that moment that our life actually can greatly affect the people around us. You know, a week and a half or two ago, I, I went to visit with one of my pastors and friends in LA and, and we were we were walking down the street we'd actually just gotten out of the car and we were walking to get coffee as you do in LA and um and we're walking and just kind of talking i'm like gosh the weather is perfect today it's gorgeous and this man was walking over to the side of us and and he kind of heard us talking and um and he goes it is beautiful isn't it and so we all of a sudden became aware of who he was and and as soon as we acknowledged his presence he came over to us and um which you know you just never know what you're going to get and um and I'm being honest, and and so he came over to us, and and he started talking to us and presenting this problem that he was in, this situation he was in, and um, introduced himself. His name's Hubert, and um and Hubert had AIDS, and he was on his way to get his uh, weekly shot, and he was short thirteen dollars <laughs> and forty eight cents, and. He said, you know, I, I hate to ask, but I've got to do this. And is there any way you could help me? And my friend Holly says, absolutely, Hubert, we can help you. And I realized I, I didn't have my wallet, so I went and grabbed it. And, and as, as we were standing there talking to Hubert, and he just was overwhelmed by the fact that we were going to show him any kind of kindness. And, and so Holly says to him, Hubert, can we pray for you? And he goes, no, 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 no. You can't pray for me. God, God doesn't want you to pray for me. And we said, no, absolutely not. We would love to pray for you. And he said, no, no, no. I've done, I've done way too many bad things. God hates me. God can't love me. And and we said, Hubert, God is not like us. God is so different than us. He loves you regardless of what you've done, regardless of what mistakes you've made. And his eyes were welling up with tears, and he still couldn't really believe it. And we said, can we pray for you? And and so we reached out to put our hands on his shoulder, and he said, no, no, you don't have to touch me. It's not contagious, but you don't have to touch me. And we said, Hubert. It's okay, we're going to pray for you. And we put our hands on his shoulder and just began to pray a prayer about God's love and his forgiveness. And, and as we opened our eyes, Hubert's eyes were filled with tears. And, and he said, I just feel so light. And we thought, gosh. And then we went on with our day. We went to have coffee. He went on to get his shot. And I just sat there in the coffee shop thinking, we could have missed that moment. We could have missed that moment. There are people in your life right now waiting for you to be the hope and the joy of Christmas. Let's see what happens here as George finally has the last realization about his life.
3: Mary! Well, hello, Mr. Bank Examiner. Power. Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000. dollars George, right, uh, I've got a little paper. I'll bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. Merry Christmas, reporters. Are wh- where's Mary? Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, Daddy.
2: Daddy. Daddy. Daddy.
3: Kids, Pete. oh <laughs> Kids, Janie. Janie, Tommy. <laughs> oh, let me look at you. Oh, I could eat you. <laughs> Come in. George, it's Daddy. a miracle. It's a miracle. Daddy. Who, who oh, good, who, Who's going to come, Daddy? Come, Daddy. Come in, Uncle Billy. Everybody. Come <laughs> <laughs> in here. George. <laughs>
2: George Berry did it. She told yeah. some people you boy. were in trouble with it. They scattered all over town collecting money. Didn't ask boy. any questions, just said, George, a, in trouble. Have right. you ever seen anything uh, like boy. it? Like Another run on the <laughs> bank. Here, <laughs> <I>. George, Merry <laughs> Christmas. Now, don't cry, don't push. There we are, Lord. Line forms
3: on, right. on the right. Come in, George. Oh, Mary. <laughs> Like the fool flew all the way up here in a blizzard. Carry oh, now, Mr. Banford, in New York. Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast. <laughs> to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. <laughs> Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right.
2: And a boy, Clarence.
0: You gotta watch this movie. You gotta see the whole thing. You see, George was given an opportunity that most of us will never have. But maybe. Your unlikely answer to prayer was just walking into this service today. Maybe you walked in heavy and discouraged. Maybe the holiday season just hasn't been the half happiest season of all. Maybe you've been reminded of loss. Maybe you have been challenged by overwhelming circumstances. Maybe you've been comparing your life to everyone else's wonderful life and, and you've just been feeling a lack of joy. It's not by accident that you're here today. And listen, maybe you're here and and you feel joyful this holiday season. And today is just about remembering to take our eyes off of ourselves and to keep our eyes open for what God might wanna do in the people's lives around us. Maybe that's all it's about. You know, I wanna challenge you today, wherever you're at in this room, whatever you walked in carrying, whatever kind of discouragement or anxiety or fear you might be facing, whatever it looks like, I want to challenge you today to pursue joy. And there's two things I want to challenge you in. One of them is called, It's the Wonderful Life Challenge. And with that, you need to watch It's a Wonderful Life, okay? That's just a side note, that's a freebie. It's a Wonderful Life Challenge. From young to old in this room, your challenge this week is to go home and to write down the things that you are grateful for, as many things as you have years. So for me, I'm 36 years old. I've got to make a list of 36 things, right? Some of you might have a longer list than mine. Some of you might have a shorter list. That's okay, but that's our challenge. And if you don't know where to start, everybody watch me for just a minute, take a deep breath, go. God says you're welcome. You're here, you're breathing. It's a new day. God has great plans for you. And that's a place to start. And just like George ran in his house and he grabbed that old, uh, that knob that was on his staircase and it came off. It had been so frustrating to him in the past. But now he realized he was so grateful for that stinking knob on the staircase because it reminded him that he had a home, that he had a family, that he had people who loved him. So I want to challenge you no matter what you're facing to go home to write down the things that you can be grateful for, to start focusing on the wonderful life that God has given you and not comparing it to anybody's wonderful life around you. And the greatest way, the greatest way to find joy, hey, let me tell you this. The scripture tells us very clearly that you make known to me the paths of life, Psalm 1611, and in your presence, there is fullness of joy. In his presence, in the presence of Jesus, there is fullness, that means completeness, of joy. You know, in the Christmas season, we, we, we should focus, I think we focus a lot on external things, but we should be focusing on the meaning of the Christmas season, right? That God sent his son Jesus as a gift to all humanity, as the savior of all mankind, and he sent him in the form of a baby, and, and that's why we celebrate Christmas, And as you set up a nativity scene, as many of you do, I do in my home, you set up a nativity scene with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus in a manger, usually looking more beautiful than it would look in real life. And you set up the shepherds and you set up the wise men, which actually shouldn't really be in the manger scene, but that's okay. They're there in the nativity, right? And as you reflect on the Christmas story, I want to remind you about the characters that are called the wise men. In the scripture, it says the Magi from the East. And they were known as wise men. We're not really sure why, but they were the great wise men of their time. They were probably somewhere in Babylon. And, and they had heard about the promises of a Messiah. They had heard about this gift that was going to be given to all mankind, possibly from the prophet Daniel, who had been taken into captivity and grew up in Babylon and actually became the chief of all the Magi, the wise men. And he probably had written down the prophecies that told that this Savior would be born in Bethlehem and that a star would point to the sign. And all of a sudden, these wise men, they saw this star in the distance in the sky, and they decided they were going to set out to find the Savior. And they set out on this long journey. It was over 500 miles to find Jesus. And they set out on this journey through the desert. And if you know anything about the desert, you know that in the day, it is hot, scorching heat. And in the night, it's freezing cold. And it's a long trek ahead of them. It probably took them weeks to get to Jesus. But they did whatever it took. They fought the fight. They pressed on probably when they felt like giving up. They just kept going to get to jesus because listen where the presence of the lord is there is fullness of joy and nehemiah eight ten tells us the joy of the lord is our strength it's our strength to face whatever the circumstances might be to deal with whatever the disappointment might be, to handle whatever the comparison issues might be. The joy of the Lord is our strength, but we have to pursue joy. And sometimes it's exhausting. Hey, happiness is a feeling, but joy, joy is a choice. And I want to challenge you today, wherever you're at, however you walked in, whatever it takes, would you make a commitment to just keep going? Just like the wise men pursued Jesus, would you make a commitment to just keep going? Because in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And he wants to be that for you today. You know, maybe you walked in this room discouraged. Maybe you were giving church one last chance. Maybe you've never made a decision to surrender your life to Christ. And I just want to take a moment And just tell you that God loved you so much. He knew every mistake you'd ever make, just like my friend Hubert. And he can put that to the side because he loves you so much that he gave the greatest gift to all mankind, his son Jesus. And he sent his son Jesus in the form of a baby who grew up to be a man. And Jesus gave his life on the cross and paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins because the Bible tells us that we have all sinned. And it says the punishment of sin is death and an eternity in hell. But And that sounds bleak and overwhelming, but the gift of God is eternal life. You see, God made a way through sending his son, Jesus, for you and I to one day spend eternity with him. He made a way for you and I to have relationship with him. And he wants that so desperately with you. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. He wants you to know joy this Christmas season. And I just want to challenge you. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you have never surrendered your life to Christ, would you today just take that step of faith? Would you pray that prayer with me in your own seat, in your own heart? We're not going to embarrass you and ask you to stand up, but just make a decision. Maybe today's the day you need to pursue Jesus because he's already pursued you. And maybe you've just been walking far away from God and it's time to come back. And I'm going to pray for you as well. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're in the room and you've never made a decision to surrender your life to Christ, or maybe you've just been running the opposite direction, as I pray this prayer, will you pray it with me in your own heart? Say, dear God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for loving me in spite of my sin. Thank you for forgiving me. Today, I surrender my life to you. Now, everybody in this room, in your own heart, if that's you, say the simple words, Jesus, I give you my life.
3: If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you please send us an email at info at Thank you again for listening to another inspiring
0: message from the Movement Church.